welcome to the Acupuncture Outsider podcast. My name is Richard Hazel, and in the time it takes for you to commute to or from work, I hope to have shared something of interest about orthopedic acupuncture using motor points, trigger points, myofascial slings, neurofunctional acupuncture, segmental treatments, anything that crosses my mind that seems to be of interest. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the Acupuncture Outsider. This is Richard Hazel. And this week I wanted to talk about the role of treating myofascial restrictions and trigger points in treating chronic pain. There's a big difference between treating acute injury and a chronic pain. Um, It's my personal belief that you cannot successfully treat chronic pain and get the person out of pain with just um, either distal or just motor point treatment. And I don't know if people will think that's controversial, but it's my experience that there's a reason that they're still in pain after all of the modalities that they will have tried before acupuncture. Almost certainly they've had imaging, MRIs, CT scans, x-rays, Um, electromyography, they've had interventions, PT, I mean, I should say physical therapy, physiotherapy, however, um, whatever you call it, and um, probably some sort of injection of corticosteroids. Um, Perhaps they've had some other pain management interventions, Um, nerve ablation. Chronic pain patients are much different, uh, very different from someone who comes in with an acute injury. Someone, and I would just, I would classify acute injury as something within the past six or eight months, maybe. Um, really, if it, if it was normal, you know, a year ago, I feel like it could resolve quickly uh, using just motor points and maybe um, maybe a, maybe a, a trigger point here or there um, but if if you get somebody like the patients that I see regularly they've been in pain for years and with no help from anybody um, those are tougher cases and I'm going to say that unless you know how to dry needle trigger points, you're probably only providing palliative pain reduction. And while that might actually make you a lot of money, if they are coming back every week for 20, 30 visits, um, it's not the best we can do as acupuncturists. We really can and should be able to help a lot of people who have chronic pain be out of pain and back to doing the things in their life that they miss 
doing. And really, um, for some people, it you know, pain is so constant that it keeps them really from enjoying their life, and it affects their spouses and their other family members because they're not always able to even participate in normal um, events, um, going out even to a restaurant. So, um, what I'm what I'm I'm thinking about some patients that I saw this week. Uh, one of them had a a really chronic um, golfer's elbow issue that really has been going on for a couple years. And um, I did the usual motor point treatment, um, treating a lot of the flexors. And uh, I think, yeah, I did treat some of the antagonist um, extensor muscles as well. And he had a huge pain reduction, but still had searing pain on the medial epicondyle when he pushed on it. So that always tells me something didn't release. Um, I believe I treated the correct muscles, but something is still stuck short. If you have that pain on the bone, something's pulling. So I had to dig in kind of hard with my fingers in into what was the uh, flexor digitorum um, superficialis. And I found a really tight, ropey, long band of muscle. And it was um, sore or painful on pressure. And I decided to see if I could loosen it up first, put a couple needles into it, and just put some electric stim on it for a couple minutes. And that loosened it up significantly. Um, and then once I got a good twitch out of it, like a little bit of a pistoning of the needle, a dry needling technique, um, not only did his searing pain on the medial epicondyle get better, but he got strength in the fourth and fifth fingers that he didn't have before. And um, it was it was pretty noticeable. I mean, he was actually more shocked at how strong his fingers had gotten after the release of that muscle than just the pain reduction at the medial epicondyle. Um, if I had not been able to release that tight band of muscle, how many times do I have to treat him? Would I have to treat him with just motor points and electric stimulation for that to go away? My, my feeling is it wouldn't have gone away. It might have um, stopped hurting for a while, but as soon as he goes back to any sort of um, exercise that, that strained those muscles, ripping muscles, um, my feeling is it would have come back just based on my experience with treating um, these injuries. Uh, it's uh, not uncommon for me to see somebody who's had um, SI joint pain um, or sciatica, um, hip pain, um, pelvic pain for years and um, I've seen a lot of female patients who had injury from childbirth, 
um, from giving child, you know, for having a child, um, because the low deep rotators in the hips are, um, they're not just external rotators like the gemelli and the obturator internus. They, they do horizontal abduction, abduction, meaning when the hip is flexed to, you know, 80, 90 degrees, and you need to then abduct those deep rotators are your primary movers. And as you can imagine childbirth, um, if, if you have a long labor, um, those muscles could definitely uh, suffer injury. And I had a patient who was living with sacral SI joint pain. Um, she really wanted to get back into being fit again. She'd work, she was working with a personal trainer. But this was really holding back her workouts because anytime she worked out, she would spend several days in pain um, in the in the gluteal area, the the SI joint, the sacrum, um, and um, she had some sciatica as well that would flare up here and there. My treatment of her started with motor points of the glutes and the piriformis and those deep rotators. Um, I think I even, the first time I, I think because she had had some sciatica, I, I treated the leg as well, uh, biceps femoris and um, peroneus longus, probably some other muscles. Um, I may have even treated her low back muscles if they were tight, but the point I'm getting to is that upon removal of the needles, she still had the same pain. So I took my Hypervolt, my percussion massager gun, and I used that to determine where she still had acute pain upon pressure. Um, I like to use the massage gun. I just think if it's a, if it's a new patient, they're going to feel more comfortable if I'm not digging around with my thumbs and my fingers. Um, in their gluteal areas. So I like to use a massage gun, but you can use your hands. Um, I found the trigger points that were still causing her pain. And I used a, you know, a pistoning of a 75 millimeter needle, 30 gauge on those trigger points. They were in the um, superior gemellus, um, obturator internus, and piriformis. And she had significant pain reduction and she got mobility back that she had not had in years um, right there on the table. I mean, she, when I asked her to sit up for me to see how she would feel, she was able to come up onto her hands and knees and she said, I couldn't have done that movement um, before. It was way too painful. Um, so we restore, you know, we restore her mobility. And that's really Vladimir Yanda's approach. Um, he said uh, he wasn't really trying to treat the pain. He was restoring joint, your joint range of motion. If he could restore your, your normal amount of range of motion for whatever joint he was focused on, then the pain would subside. Restoring function is the goal. And, um, and that's really how I look at treating chronic pain. I'm not, I, yes, I want to get you out of pain, but the way I'm going to do that is to restore your mobility, restore your range of motion. 
Um, I had uh, another patient um, with um, groin pain recently, and it was, uh, you know, the motor points were somewhat helpful, but the pain was still there. Um, I found a very tight band of muscle in the adductor magnus and used a needle, 30 gauge needle, um, a little bit of pistoning into that tight band of muscle, got a nice big jump, and then the pain was gone. Um, these, these injuries, um, these are the things that confound the medical professionals who don't really put their hands on people's muscles. They, they're so focused on images and blood tests. They don't really put their hands on their patients. So they don't know that these restrictions exist, and they may not even agree that they are the cause of the problem because so often a person already does have some sort of disc degeneration or joint degeneration or, or partial tears in tendons um, around that joint that, that's giving them pain. So they get written off as, you know, that's just, that's just what you have to deal with and, you know, take your turmeric and, and, um, you know, do your PT and beyond that, they're done with you. Um, you'll see, um, a lot of chronic pain after major surgeries and, um, guaranteed if you, if you work on somebody who had a hip replacement, they have trigger points. I'm just going to say they do, um, don't even doubt it. Just know that if you want to get them out of pain and you want to get their functional movement restored so that they're not constantly, I mean, everyone loves loyal patients, but do they, do they really need to be seeing you every week for a year? No, they really shouldn't need to see you every week for a year. Really, I mean, you should be able to reduce their day-to-day -day pain in three to five sessions, often fewer than that, depending on the person, their age, their ability to heal. Um, but really, if you're working on a hip replacement patient, they will have trigger points. They will have myofascial restriction that continues the pain that they're that they're dealing with. I feel like sometimes the hip replacement had to happen because of the chronic uh, dysfunction, joint dysfunction. So they replace the hip, then they slap the already super short and tight dysfunctional movement muscles back on and let it heal and then they send they send you away to PT and and um and you you still got these short tight muscles that that are causing you pain and and I really feel like we should be able to determine what is going on there and release those muscles and it's not going to just be motor points because if it could have been released easily with motor points very likely physical therapy, stretching, um, the other modalities that they usually have tried would have worked. 
if they didn't work, it's very often trigger points that are causing the problem. Um, I've seen so many chronic pain patients, and very often, by the way, they are often seniors too. They're not always seniors, but people who live with chronic pain are very often over 40, or they've had some sort of um, a motor vehicle uh, accident, something like that, which will definitely cause myofascial restrictions, trigger points. Um, I'm thinking of a senior that I was treating for a while for shoulder pain. They said she had bursitis and they were saying that she's probably eventually going to need some surgery. And she was referred to our office. Um, and she really wanted to avoid surgery. And, um, the first visit I only use motor points and with the senior, I don't know how quickly they heal. I don't know how they're going to respond to the needles how they're going to respond to being sore after treatment, et cetera. Um, because sometimes seniors have more soreness than, than people, let's say someone in their 40s or 50s, because they, they've had ischemic muscles for that much longer. And when you release those muscles with the motor point, um, you know, electric stimulation at the motor point, you wake up those ischemic muscles. They start getting their blood circulating and the body recognizes that that tissue is not healthy. It may have been ischemic for decades. And they have a more, they're more prone to having more discomfort after the treatment than the usual, the average patient. So there's a lot of conversation we're having when I'm treating seniors. I've really informed them what's going on. Why would they have a flare-up? What's going on? Let's say I'm thinking this woman with the with the um, bursitis, the shoulder bursitis, um, tight infraspinatus, tight supraspinatus. She could she had to she had to buy new bras because she she had to buy the ones that clasp in front, um, and she'd always had the ones in, that clasp in back, and she couldn't reach her back anymore because of her shoulder. Um, she could reach to maybe the waistband of her pants when she would do like an Apley's. Uh, scratch she could reach maybe you know the low back that was it um and in the course of i would say she was out of she was out of pain for the most part after two or three visits and i did have to release trigger points on her um one was an anterior deltoid trigger point and the others were a supraspinatus and infraspinatus trigger points. And she she was back to, she had already been working with a personal trainer and she was very happy to be back at the gym and able to do most things. Um, but she still had limited mobility and she really wanted her mobility back. She would, she would come in, she'd say, I'm not really in pain, but my arm still doesn't go all the way up. I just, just for quality of life, I just want to get my, my mobility back. And so that was where um, some of those trigger points in the infraspinatus and supraspinatus came in, into play. And, and we, got her, we got her mobility back. Um, she got um, back to being able to, you know, basically you know, clasp a bra in back of her and and just you know the normal day-to-day -day things putting on a jacket things like that um she's very happy with that 
she's not she's a loyal patient but she's not she doesn't have to see me to not be in pain she comes i think now she's on a uh, maybe once every two months sort of schedule just because she wants to be active she wants to go to the gym and she values having her mobility um, once you've had your mobility back you really don't want to settle for less so when i see her she's in a good mood we can just do some motor points she she you know there's nothing there's nothing uncomfortable necessary anymore because we're just loosening things back up for her um and it's a great it's a great treatment she's happy to come in she's happy to leave she feels great she tells everybody about it um but we would not have gotten to that point if we did not go through some of the less comfortable treatments like an infraspinatus trigger point or a supraspinatus trigger point and then soreness the day after or for her one time it was sore for two days after um there are so many chronic pain patients um achilles tendonitis that's not getting better if it's not getting better very likely there are trigger points and so often they're gastroc trigger points and you can almost trace it from where they're feeling the pain straight up the leg and find the myofascial restrictions in in the gastrocnemius so often it's and it is really i believe like a very much a fascia thing um those restrictions in the in the gastroc from the trigger points are pulling the fascia and and the achilles tendon um and causing a lot of pain um i just don't think you can get somebody out of that achilles pain without doing trigger points um, in, in the gastrocnemius, and sometimes the soleus, but mostly it's gastrocnemius. Um, they'll have a tight soleus. I always treat the soleus when, I, when there's Achilles problem. Um, and of course, you know, think about the, the whole posterior chain, hamstrings, glute mats. That's a, that's a, just, that's a different podcast. But, um, but without being able to do trigger points in the gastrocs, I don't think you can get that person out of pain that they've had for months. Um, or years. Um, I'm thinking of another patient. She, for two years, has been unable to wear flat shoes. She can't walk around the house barefoot without a lot of medial foot pain. And it really came down to her tibialis posterior primarily um, with some major trigger points in in the actual medial foot area of the adductor hallucis was one of them um that's something that was going on for two years two or two plus years um and the motor points gave her some relief but when she came back and she told me all the pain came right back then that's a flag for me. That means something didn't release and stay released. So um, I know there are many people who would say, oh, it's the spine. But uh, you know, if you put your hands on your patients and you palpate and you find the 
exquisitely tender trigger points that are causing the pain, you're very likely on the right track. Um, and the reason I wouldn't have suggested or suspected spine for her is it's one-sided. If she had pain on both sides, I'm going to say, okay, let's make sure we check the spine. But one-sided, and she remembers hurting it. She was on vacation. She, I think she either slipped off the step in the swimming pool or she somehow jumped down, but she hit the inner part of her foot in the swimming pool and was never the same after that. And that's a classic trigger point formation. You get a traumatic impact on a muscle. There's a lot of inflammation, a lot of pain, and those pain chemicals just gum up the muscles in there and they just get stuck short and tight. And um, uh, I think I needed, because of the trigger points, we needed four or five visits to get her back to having no pain when she walked without shoes or in flats. She's very happy to be able to wear regular shoes, but you know, without a heel or having to wear really cushiony um, sneakers. She can, she can walk barefooted now without pain. And that's really, I mean, that's, that should be the goal, right? Um, get them out of pain, get people back to doing what they love to do, not just treat the pain. So I, you know, I just, I I always want to restore function more than relieve pain. Because if I restore function, there's nothing to cause the pain. Um, And for me, that means really focusing on uh, using motor points in the affected muscles, um, releasing trigger points that are uh, causing the pain to come back because the release of the muscle wasn't significant enough, the trigger points keep the tension. And sometimes you don't know that until they they come back and tell you the next week that for four days they were good, and now the pain is coming back. And that's when I have to start hunting for the trigger points. Um, but really, I feel like that's that's those are really essential. And then consider fascia. Um, if you can do some IASTM or Graston or Gua Sha, however you want to look at it, but do it very lightly. Don't cause petechiae. Do it very lightly. That gentle approach for the fascia will cause the fascia to relax. Um, it's probably something I should do a podcast on, but fascia has smooth muscle cells and the autonomic nervous system can tighten it or relax it because of pain. And if you do really gentle Graston that tells the nervous system, this area is okay now, there's no pain here. You're not digging in, you're not making it red, you're not trying to work on the muscle, you're trying to gently sweep over the fascia, maybe the plantar fascia of the the foot, or maybe the Achilles tendon, or into the gastrox, any of that, the, just think about the fascia. Um, you you know, for four or five minutes, you can get a great relaxation of the fascia, and that will that will really improve your results. You release the muscle, you release the myofascial restrictions with trigger point needling, and then you do some IASTM um, 
or, or gua sha or uh, gently. I just, I, I, you know, I don't, I want to say gua sha so that people understand if they didn't know what Graston was or they haven't heard the term IASTM, which is um, in, instrument um, assisted soft tissue manipulation. Um, I say gua sha just with a little bit of trepidation because I know I learned to do gua sha very intensely and there's like all this shock coming up and it's red and petechiae and but that's not the goal for what i'm talking about i'm talking about working on the fascia not the muscles we're not at this point you know if you're doing this gentle technique it's really about coaxing the fascia to release and you can do it with just gentle gentle um, movements and you'll find sometimes patients will say i'm going to fall asleep because it's so calming to the to the nervous system to put them into a very parasympathetic dominant state, um, and that's what's going to relax the fascia. And and you know, really, on another note, this is this is one of the reasons that acupuncture is so helpful for so many internal medicine issues is the is the the, the needles go through the fascia, relax the autonomic nervous system, put the person into a healing parasympathetic dominant state um, where they can, where their body can heal itself. Um, so that's, a, that's another consideration for someone who has um, chronic pain. Maybe their fascia is super tight in that area, especially the older people. Those the older people get the more dense and ischemic their muscles are, the more fibrous their muscles are, the more, um, non-responsive their trigger points are can take some time to get them to release um, and the tighter the fascia so um, really I just uh, I just wanted to put it out there that if you're treating chronic pain patients there's going to be some percentage that just don't get better and they're or they're they're better and then they're worse they're better and then they're back to being in pain and and don't get frustrated look for the trigger points look for the restrictions in the same muscles that you're treating with motor points and find why that that electric stim isn't releasing enough to get their mobility back get their function back so that they won't be in pain and really it's just a matter of being willing to put your hands on your patients and find those tight ropey bands and and communicate with them because it's not comfortable you know getting a needle put into a trigger point and making it twitch it's a little disturbing so there you know you have to be able to have that communication with your patient and explain to them this is what's going on this is why it it didn't stay better this tight band that you can feel causing you pain needs to be released and the only way to release it is with a needle you're not going to stretch your way out of this. You're not going to pinch it. You're not going to scrape your way out of it. You're no amount of workout warm-ups before your workout is going to help you with this. This has to be released. And let's try to get at least one good twitch out of it. And you walk them through it and you get a twitch. You ask for feedback. Are you okay? How does that feel? And and just say can I get one more twitch? I'm always asking permission for everything. I don't tell somebody, this is what I'm going to do. I say, 
this is what we need to do. I really think we need to get it, you know, get this released. What do you think? Can we do that today? Very often they're going to say, yes, they're tired of being in pain. People who live with pain, by the way, can tolerate a lot more than you think they can in a, in a treatment. Okay. Someone who lives with pain, someone's living with five, six, seven on the vast scale. I promise you, you can look at them and, and think that they're frail. You can think, oh, you know, there's no way this 65 year old, you know, petite woman can handle. And I promise you, sometimes those are the patients that are the easiest to treat because they'll, they'll just tell you, I've had children. This is nothing. Or I've had five epidurals. Do you think this is like, this is nothing compared to what I've gone through? Or I've had nerve ablation or I've had surgery. Um, just communicate with the patient. Tell them this is a little uncomfortable and you're going to be sore afterwards. But this is my feeling is that this is what we need to do to get you past this pain. And it's super, super rare that somebody doesn't want to do it and that they won't. And, and they're always glad that you did it. You did do it because it, that's where they start to move forward and gain confidence that you know what you're talking about. And they, they have your trust. They, 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 I mean, you have their trust and they will come back for more treatment so that they can actually get the result that they wanted in the beginning. Um, it's really about patient communication, reading them, reading their face and understanding and, and being willing to go slow and just say, you know, if we can only get one twitch today, that's fine. Next time I see you, we'll get more, you know, that, that works for people too. Um, but you'll, you'll come across some, some people who can handle a lot of discomfort or multiple trigger point releases and you cannot you cannot judge that by looking at them you, some of the toughest looking guys will will be very sensitive and and some of the more petite older women will be completely like unbreakable you cannot guess and you just have to kind of communicate what you expect them to feel get their feedback every step of the way, get their permission, and you start having amazing results for chronic pain patients because you're going to start actually getting into the stuff that nothing else fixed. Because let's face it, drugs do not correct um, dysfunctional movement patterns. Okay, I mean, it's completely the wrong approach. Um, you know, putting somebody on gabapentin, and muscle relaxers and i'm trying to think all the things that people get put on um it's not going to release trigger points it's not going to release myofascial restrictions so you know when you when you get confident and you can find the trigger points and you can communicate and you can get a good release on those trigger points your results for chronic pain patients are going to go through the roof they're, they're it's i just i just don't I'm shocked when people feel like 80 only 80% of people can respond to acupuncture or you know, get good results. We should be able to get much higher than that um, success for most people. And I really feel like the ones that I can't help are the ones that I that that actually need surgery. Their their stenosis is too great that they just can't get uh, the result to hold. 
most other people, you can help them. You can help them significantly if you're willing to hunt for those restrictions and, and, and communicate well so that they know what to expect during treatment, after treatment, and the next time they see you. Um, okay, I normally like to only do 18, 20-minute podcasts, but here we are um, 35 minutes later. Um, but it's important. It's an important topic, and I'll probably come back to it at another time from another angle. Um, but I really just wanted to say that chronic pain patients are different. They have different needs, and we have to be able to communicate um, their, for their expectations um, of what what they will feel and how many treatments it may take for them. And really, you can be pretty confident in saying, you know, give this at least three to five visits um, before we decide, you know, um, you may decide you want to say five to seven. Um, but I really don't think anybody should be a lifetime patient every week, 20, 30, 40 visits. That's, um, we can do better. Um, so that's it for this week. I hope you have a great week and, uh, I will talk to you soon.